0: It's about getting really excited about something and getting really committed to it, being very clear on the vision, and then going after it. It's about bringing other people along so that there's others with you on the journey, explaining it, articulating it, re-articulating it, and incorporating ideas that others have into the dream.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Warner Brothers Discovery Empowered Women's Podcast. I'm Janelle Gardner, VP of Talent here at WBD, and I'm so excited to bring you today's episode. It marks the one year anniversary of the launch of this series and what a year it's been. Um, we think today's topic is incredibly fitting. Dream it and own it. How do you bring your vision to life, bringing it from a concept into reality? We have a remarkable group of guests here for you today, including um, um, my partner in crime, Somia Subramanian, who um, helped to co-found the podcast. So really looking forward to diving into it. Um, all right, let's get into it. Anjum, let's start with you.
2: Thank you, Janelle. Hey, everyone. I'm Anjum Afshan coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. I have uh, the pleasure of working at Warner Brothers Discovery, one of the largest organizations in the media streaming industry, along with these lovely ladies. I am the director of technical program management in the platform engineering and operations group within the WBD uh, streaming tech space. My team and I look at ourselves as the guardians of the customer experience and we ensure that by way of bringing operational insights as we aim for continuous improvement in um, operational excellence so uh, we always deliver a seamless and world-class viewing experience and so with that I will turn it over to Maya.
0: Thank you. My name is Maya Perkins. I am a builder and connector. I'm somebody who creates relationships and initiatives to bring people together and to make the world a better place, to have social justice impact. Most recently, I worked at Meta on projects like the $1 billion housing investment, the Partnership for the Bay's Future, and the Oversight Board. These were all projects that brought together diverse sectors to ensure that we have a good connection between society, and technology. I'm really excited to be here today and
3: I will turn it over to Somaya. Hi, thanks, Maya. I'm Somya, I'm EVP of engineering in Warner Brother Discovery and lead a lot of our uh, engineering teams working towards building the next generation streaming platform for all our services out there. And I'm really excited to be on this panel today with Janelle, Maya, and Anjum. And we're all connected in many different ways. Maya and I went to college together at Mount Holyoke College back in the day and reconnected in an alumni event. So really excited that we're able to do this panel
1: together. Wonderful. Thank you, ladies. All right, let's dive straight in. Dream it and own it. A lot in there. Would love to hear from each of you what it means to you. So, Somia, I'll start with you since we ended with you. Intros.
3: I love this title, Dream It Own It, because I feel like I'm I'm an eternal optimist and I also have ideas all the time. So for me, like I feel like I'm living a dream, even when things are going really bad. I have another dream to go after. So for me, Dream It Own It is a lot about hope and what each of us have control to make happen, regardless of everything that's going on around you. And through that positivity and that ownership, you can then influence and drive others to join you in your dream or help reshape your dream with you. That's what it means to me.
1: Thank you. And Jeremy, you want to go next?
2: Yeah, I think I so agree with Sonia. It takes immense optimism. It takes a lot of resiliency because when you have a dream, I think first thing you have to be able to visualize your dream. You have to believe in the power of your dream. And you can't uh, dream something alone. You have to you know, bring others along with you on that journey. So knowing your purpose really helps in onboarding other people to your ideas. Next thing you know, it's, uh, it's a real thing. And uh, you know, as you are on that journey, sometimes also people may shoot your ideas down. But that's where your resiliency comes in. And uh, you, know, you just have to keep chasing after your dream. And next thing you know, uh, you know, as long as you hold yourself accountable and uh, you own that idea, you really go after it. That is uh, what that concept means to me. And it, it takes a lot of boldness. It takes a lot of courage. So we should never underestimate that and go chase after our dreams. Wonderful. Maya. So I love this. And I'm just going to reiterate what others have said. It's
0: about getting really excited about something and getting really committed to it, being very clear on the vision and then going after it. It's about bringing other people along so that there's others with you on the journey, explaining it, articulating it, re-articulating it, and incorporating ideas that others have into the dream. So one thing that was said was about when things go bad and it's almost more exciting when things go bad in a dream and trying to like unfold it and create. And I have a friend who used to say when things just seemed devastating and everything was like falling apart, she would say, oh good, things are really falling into place. And that's what I try to remember when a dream seems to be going sideways or haywire is, oh no, these are, this is actually the moment when everything is falling into place. And that's the time to get even more excited and more curious and do more exploring because something even more amazing can be created when it looks like everything has gone bad. And that's what dream it, own it means to me.
1: I love that. I love the thought of things falling into place and things falling away that actually shouldn't be part of this journey. That's really important. I think one of the things I'd love for us to talk a little bit about, you guys have all had such remarkable careers. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about how you operationalize your dreams. I don't know if you could give any specific examples without giving away any secrets, but how do you take something from being a dream, a vision, and bringing it to life? What are some of the steps, behaviors that you guys take? Maya, I'll start with you.
0: Okay, so the first thing I do to operationalize a dream is to start writing. I write down what I call my desire list. And that's the list of like everything that I would just love to have happen. Like in the best case scenario, how, what would this dream look like? Like, how would it all come together? And then I start talking to people and having conversations. I read information. I do like research and investigation. And then I go back to the writing and write down like an action plan of what it might look like when it all comes together, like a strategy. Um, Sometimes it's really simple. Sometimes it's just another list, but sometimes it's more involved of like, you know, steps and more steps. But it's really about getting pen to paper for me because that's helps me think and play things out and also talking to others to get other people's ideas to actually incorporate and operationalize.
1: So, May, do you wanna jump in?
3: Yeah, I can. And I would love to turn the question around to you, Janelle. too. Uh, it is our one year of the Empowered Women series. For me, like connecting back to what Maya was saying, when things are falling apart and maybe not even that badly falling apart are not just adding up together, It's an opportunity for change. And that opportunity for change is what gives you the dream that you could start shaping up and going after if it resonates with you and uh, resonates with others around you. And one of the things when I had just joined uh, Discovery, and Janila is a big part of me joining the company, we were talking about how do we shift the landscape. And what is Discovery's role in inspiring more women in technology? And that's when we, uh, for Women's History Month, decided uh, to start and launch this Empowered Women series. And it's taken a life of its own, I must say. Maya sounds very organized and planned and meticulous. I am, uh, and for people who worked with me and who know me as a friend, no i go with the flow a lot and i move fast i am thoughtful at the same time i'm also i thrive in chaos so um janil and i were having a chat and we were like oh wouldn't it be cool to do this empowered women series like yeah let's make a list of all the women we know in the company and start putting a list together And before we knew it, it had started. So with that, I wanna
1: hand it over to Janil too on your dream and what this means to you. So when I think about dreaming it and owning it, I think the word that comes to mind is action. And how can you make things happen? I think sometimes it's paralyzing when you think about all the things that might not go wrong or all the obstacles. And for me, it's always, what's the first step that I can take? How can I make this a reality? Who can I bring into the conversation, bring into the vision? What kind of feedback can I get? And often that unlocks a lot of potential. And so I think relationships are always key for me. So I think taking that first step, thinking about how you unblock some of the roadblocks and then not being paralyzed by the first no's you get because inevitably you will always have some no's. So that's that's kind of how I think about dreaming it and owning it.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, Janiel, you make such a good point. You know, a lot of the times you don't see the trial and fail in the middle that people go through. Most people only remember the success stories. And so picking yourself up from those fails and keep on going Like that is so essential to being able to achieve those dreams in
1: the end. I 100% agree. And I think you won't always own or have the authority to move all elements forward. And I think that can sometimes stop people and so I think just thinking about how you get beyond that where and how you influence without necessarily owning a specific thing, I think that's also quite a, a critical part of bringing things to life. I'd love to know as you all think about specific points in your career or specific dreams that you have achieved, Can you maybe talk us through some of those potential situations where you might have had to iterate on a dream you had an initial dream you had some roadblocks how did you go through the process of iterating on that what did you learn and apply in the next iteration of the dream
2: for me i think one of the things i do at one of the brothers discovery is i uh, am responsible for content launches so what that means is we have these tentpole events Uh, So we have shows like uh, Euphoria, House of Dragon, Succession that's going on right now, The Last of Us, and major movies like Wonder Woman, Godzilla vs. Kong, etc. So when we started this uh, during the pandemic, and we decided to roll it out on HBO Max. We saw like a lot of people, uh, there's millions of people that literally tune into our platform and... um, it happens all at once at the same night everywhere globally and so how do we make that experience a seamless experience for our viewers so i would look at uh, what's going on in our world in the tech uh, side of the house and i noticed that there was you know not proper coordination so we started bringing in we were still working through things and so we started bringing in you know other partners across the org one of the things with a large company is uh, you have a lot of areas. And so there needs to be a lot of coordination to make sure that uh, the end goal is going to be achieved. And so having that purpose very clear in my mind, visualizing what that means. And for me, I'm a Miro girl. uh, So like Soumya, I kind of go with the flow sometimes. Uh, But I uh, started sketching things out and uh, what this means, what sort of partners do we need, uh, our content Producers to our uh, schedulers, publishers, and on the tech side of the house, our SRE teams and um, you know various teams, uh, content ingestion teams that were part of this dream, and they were all part of delivering our content curators, our content producers, creativity on our platform, making sure that that content shines just as the way that content creator dreamed of. So bringing that experience to our customers in a way that we are all coordinated, everyone knows their dance steps. And so I think getting people to believe in that helped me get people rally around me and we all started Uh, you know, getting together on these Sunday night launches. And uh, we saw a big difference in our customer feedback. And so that, to me, was a life changing experience I will never forget.
1: So exciting. You talk and all of you have uh, talked a little bit about bringing people on the journey. Can you talk a little bit about the storytelling that's involved in that, and how you actually bring people on your journey and how you position different audiences i
3: can go and i can weave in one of the questions in the q a about how have we used our personal guiding values to shape and reinforce wbd's guiding values and principles so just to recap for those who are not part of wbd our guiding values and principles as a company there are five main ones acting as one team create what's next empower storytelling champion inclusion and dream it and own it uh which is the topic of this panel too so for me underlying all of this and including uh, it it all starts from like empowering storytelling and i think that's what maya was talking about initially which is when you have a dream how do you articulate and put a story around it that then others can understand and give you input to shape it further. So I I do think for me personally, the art of storytelling is such a critical piece of how I think and how I operate on a daily basis. Acting as one team is another core, core part of it. I think uh, I was just counting the number of times each of us have used the word, bring others along. Uh, So Maya is not even part of the company right and we are bringing all of us along in this panel, and I think that acting as one team is a very, very core value for me personally and also for the company as a whole, which I'm so grateful for. And Anjum briefly touched on this. She and I have had, and many of us uh, on the tech side, have had our moments of stress and bonding as these big tentpole content launches happen on our platform. I don't know in the audience how many are Last of Us fans, Uh, I'm sure there are quite a few. And Succession just started on Sunday. And whether these big events and House of the Dragon and things happen or it's smaller, you know, content out there, regardless of what it is, we need to make our product shine and work for our users. At the end of the day, it's really about the user and how do we do our part in making sure our end users are happy, our content creators, we're doing justice to the amazing content they're producing. So for me, a lot of the core values and this dream it, own it comes back to really, what can I do to, be a little part in helping achieve my own dreams, but achieving all of our collective dreams and aspirations. And I know Maya wrote her own job definition at one point, which is like so cool that you had a dream job you could define on your own.
0: Yes. So I did get to write my own job description when I came to Meta. It was something that I had been in conversation with somebody who would later become my boss. And we were talking about, you know, what sort of thing I was interested in. And at the time he said, well, what would you want to do if you came to meta and so i had all these ideas that i shared with him about the things i was interested in and what you know what i wanted to pursue but I thought, well, but I can't do that at Meta. And he's like, well, what if you could? And I was like, well, then I would want to. So he said, well, go back and write down your dream job, write your job description. And I, did have, nobody had ever asked me to do that before. So I was a little bit taken aback, but I did. I went down and I wrote my dream job and I brought it back to him. And, you know, sometime later, my dream job was then posted on the Meta website and anybody could apply to it. <laughs> And so I was like, oh my gosh, there's my dream job. Well, what if somebody else gets it? Because I had to apply. So, But I applied and and I did get it. And it was like one of those incredible experiences where I was able to do something that I like really loved doing at a place that was an incredible company. So yeah, it was one of those things where I really, I literally dreamed it and owned it and I had like a wonderful experience with it.
1: That's amazing. I would love to continue on the topic of behaviors that you think have allowed you to be successful in your career. We talked about one team, we talked about storytelling. Are there other skills that you think have been fundamental to the success that you guys have had outside of your technical capabilities? We know that's your ticket to the game. You're already good at your job. What are some of the things that are probably less spoken about that are fundamental to this success?
3: I think courage. And when I say courage, uh, even like, what maya just said right like it takes a lot of courage to write your own dream job on paper and i think the courage to be vulnerable to saying that hey like my job was out there and someone else could have gotten it and that little fear that comes with taking that chance and that risk yeah so for me it's i think courage and being authentic i think it's okay and it Things are not going to always work out. I think it's fine. Like you learn so much more from your failures than your success. And I'm not saying I keep taking like seeking out failure projects for myself. But I think when things don't go the right way, you learn. I, th- I feel like Yeah, I
2: gravitate towards the failure projects <laughs> because I don't know. It just brings more opportunity. In that chaos, there is uh, so much deep understanding, learning that is to be had. I feel like that is all missed opportunity if you don't keep your mind open and be, you know, receptive to that feedback. Because a lot of the times the even the negative feedback is like, you know, free marketing, it's uh, market research. I mean, so uh, to me, that is all uh, failing fast. And, you know, moving on towards your goal is how you get to the next chapter. And then, you know, from one dream to another, it's, uh, it's never about just one.
0: I would say um, commitment. Just really being committed to the vision and the outcome, but being really flexible about how one achieves it. And so knowing that it might be a different path than I envisioned, but when I think about what the end goal is, knowing that that is possible with serious commitment.
1: And when you think about commitment with the balance of being flexible, how do you gauge the difference between the two and how how do you kind of navigate that?
0: I think one thing is to listen to others. And so like really hearing feedback and incorporating the feedback. And so knowing that there is an end goal, that there is something that is a project or an initiative, like a launch that one has in their mind, but knowing that the path that I set out to get there may not be the one that is going to get me there. And so that's where the flexibility comes in is in the the pathway. I also think that there may be some, you know, depending on what the end goal of the project is, there might be some flexibility needed in terms of that that end goal. But listening to people, I think, is really, really important. And also, as we said before, like ability to influence. So it goes both ways. There's taking information, but then there's also giving information and making sure that that's a really good balance of being able to influence, but also be able to receive and be influenced.
2: Yeah, and I think sometimes it also takes that muscle of influence without authority, not just uh, influence over people that directly report to you, or in our, uh, in your own uh, structure, but across the organization, being able to use your relationship building muscle. And I I think that is also part of it.
0: Yes. Plus one to that influence without authority, I
1: think is really essential. I think that's something that so many people strive towards I would love to know as you think about the relationships you build and how you go about relationship building, for those in the audience who might be a little bit more introverted but are still keen to drive things forward, what are some of the tips you would give them in terms of taking that next step if they're not necessarily more extroverted?
3: No, I think actually sometimes being an extrovert can come in the way of relationship building or leading through influence. And the only reason I say that is I think a key part of driving influence is active listening and watching and observing what's going on around you. And what is it that the other person is really trying to say and truly like listening to understand that. And I'm not saying that extroverts don't do that. At the same time, I think, yeah, I think it's less about extrovert or introvert. It's more really trying to seek to understand. And there was a comment on the chat about How do you navigate pursuing your dream in an industry you've never worked before? I think it's tied back to that too. It's less about how much you know or don't know. It's more about that curiosity. I think one of uh, Anjum or Maya mentioned that word curious. I think it's that curiosity and seeking to understand, which then allows others to also open up to you and then join up with you. I I feel like that is my kind of go-to. I want to dig into my own experience.
2: Uh, You know, our company just went through this huge merger and two giant conglomerates coming together. And um, obviously when there is change, there's a lot of anxiety along with it. There's a lot of ambiguity associated around it. So in my own experience, I kind of So, you know, people were on our side, uh, were also very um, anxious and nervous. And uh, on the other side, also as we started meeting our new partners uh, in crime, (laughs) they um, were you know also probably feeling the same thing so i guess empathizing with that situation and coming in with that approach empathizing with people and making sure that you're making them feel safe and you're approaching you're always trying to help people i think that really helps uh, bring down the guard uh, the guards that we have around ourselves. And uh, so for me, that was really awesome an experience. And now to watch, uh, you know, our teams come together and we're working as if, you know, nothing uh, like we've been working together forever. And so, <laughs> you know, it takes, uh, it, it takes a little bit of that uh, common goal oriented and having a safe space for each other, having respect, mutual respect for each other and empathy for each other it all helps out
1: I think that empathy point is so important because I think sometimes it's difficult to always think about or see everyone's perspective but I think going in with like you say empathy and genuine curiosity. I think that always helps to kind of break any barriers that might be perceived. I would love to talk a little bit about mentoring. I think we had a question from the audience about what role does mentoring play in the way you operate internally within your teams and within the organization? So Mia, I know you do a lot of that, so maybe you could kick us off.
3: Uh, Sure. So this is a term from skiing that I use all the time that I heard in a skiing event, turn and pull, which is regardless of where you are in your journey or your career, you have the opportunity to turn and pull others to where you've gotten to using the platform that you have. I think I've been, people have done the turn and pull to me, and I hope I'm doing it to others in a little way. And it's really that that keeps mentoring and sponsorship going. It happens sometimes organically, but many times it happens very intentionally. You do have to have the intention to say, how am I going to use the platform that I have or the expertise that I have to open up and create the space for someone else who might be trying to figure out how to get there or needs an amplification? And there are times where you need to be aware that you need that amplification yourself and look around and see, is there somewhere that you can seek it out? Right. And again, I think there you're going to get no's too. Like you might kind of raise your hand and say, Hey, like, you know, I could do this, or maybe I, I would love to help here. And maybe they'll be like, thanks, but no thanks. And you're like, okay, all right. But that doesn't, change who you are or the fact that you want to lean in. So identifying where do you want to navigate? I don't think I do. I I could like, you know, I would love to do even more. I feel personally, and there are times you just have this many hours in a day, and then you're like, you do what you can. And then you say, okay, I'll try to do a little bit more tomorrow. And
1: then you keep working your way. That's a nice segue into one of the questions we have in a world where everyone is so busy and has a lot going on as a potential mentee. How do you go about approaching mentors? How do you position that conversation in a way that's gonna be well received?
0: I think that, you know, positioning that conversation is probably less important than folks might believe. I think you can have a direct conversation. Just, I really admire the work that you do, um, the way that you operate. I'd love for you to be my mentor. That being said, folks are really busy. And I think that sometimes that word might scare off potential mentors make them think, oh my gosh, I don't have time for another mentee or like, what is this going to involve? So what I find is having a direct conversation about something specific that you'd like from that person. Like, I'd love to talk to you about X. I'd love to pick your brain about this, or I want to apply for this new position and I'd love your input or your expertise. And so thinking about what specifically you want And then asking that person for that specific discrete task can yield sometimes better results than asking someone to be your mentor. And knowing that you might have to have several mentors on specific things to help you reach your goals is one way that I've looked at it. And I found that when people ask me specific questions, then that's sometimes an easier thing for me to do than to think about being somebody's mentor. And that when I've asked people for specific things they really wanna give, and that they've like said, oh, of course I can do this thing for you in a way that they might be
2: a little bit more shy if I ask them to be my mentor. And I think also for mentors too, I will say, you can't discount the um, advantage of a fresh pair of eyes a fresh perspective to me that is such a precious thing Uh, when someone new joins my team or i take on a new intern it's always uh, so beautiful i think people should encourage the why's more than anything like why do we do it this way and from that comes you know so many different aspects of how you could look at a problem um, and questions people and uh, shakes them up gives them a jolt if they were doing things a certain way Uh, you know, being open to people challenging that can sometimes brew new ideas, new, more creative ideas. So I think uh, always nurturing that talent is so important.
1: Absolutely. Guys, we have some really great questions coming in, in the Q&A. So thank you everyone for putting your questions in here. First question, how do you quiet your inner critic?
2: I think from time to time all suffer from imposter syndrome, but you know, you have to uh, find that fine balance, really know yourself, find out what excites you and don't lose sight of that, I think, uh, reminding yourself of um, how far you've come and you know how much you are capable of, that certainly tends to like diffuse. Um, I go through that. So that tends to diffuse my imposter syndrome every time I hit it.
0: I always try to thank my inner critic because it serves a purpose. It wants to protect me from any kind of rejection or hurt or scary things out there. And so I try to like see the inner critic and say, thank you, I appreciate your feedback, and here's what I'm gonna do instead. (laughs) And so I recognize that it's not trying to mess me up, it's trying to protect me in some way. And so I recognize that, but then I move forward anyway, and it can be hard to do, but I think moving forward and ignoring it is a key piece. I also use meditation, which can help me. So I have little like calming exercises that I do that help me quiet the inner critic.
2: I'll just add, um, I always remember as uh, even during my marathon journey, I went from couch to marathon within a few months, all I kept telling myself was this dialogue from Finding Nemo, just keep swimming. And so I kept repeating that to myself. And that's what Maya's uh, anchoring on, just keep swimming, just keep swimming.
3: Yeah, it's like the little engine that says, I think I can, I think I can. It's good to have that healthy skepticism within you as long as it's not coming in the way of holding you back. And I think we all go through it, right? I think I'm a little more experienced now than I was 10 years ago, but I I feel like it's something you learn every time, which is you're not the only person to go through this. Every single person around you, however confident or not confident they look, are going through this too. And and I think I, I really like what Maya said, which is it's not about suppressing your inner critic as much as recognizing it, acknowledging it, and then seeing what is your way out of it, right? Like, or what are you going to do with it? So like meditation, I, I journal, I, I try to write like one sentence a day or a few sentences. I do reflect a lot personally. And I think there was one other question about like, you all thrive in chaos, but when there isn't chaos, what do you do? And I think actually the moments of quiet are really, really important to process everything around you to really make sense of things and get more intentional in what is it that you want to do next or where is it that you want to steer towards.
2: Yeah, I think I uh, definitely feel discomfort when there is that silence, that moment of silence. Um, But I use that discomfort to power me and uh, do those retrospectives. Um, I think retrospectives are so powerful because your brain slows down. And so you finally have time to catch up and find some key learnings from that. And so I tend to always do retrospectives um, a couple times a year.
1: Can you expand? And on what retrospective is.
2: Yeah, retrospective is uh, more like uh, going through uh, you know your past so like I, I do my retrospectives every quarter or so and but you can do yearly retrospectives. Um, basically it is looking back into your your life or your year, your quarter and finding out what are some of the key wins. Uh, that you have um, accomplished, some key goals you've accomplished, and where are some of those learning opportunities? Did you hit any roadblocks? And you know how do you pull yourself out of that? Make a plan around it and have a goal going into uh, your next quarter. What is it that you're going to uh, accomplish? What is your next dream? How are you going to challenge yourself? So I think that's uh, really awesome to get an understanding of where you are with achieving your goals.
1: Okay, next question. Courage is huge. What advice do you have for those of us who are dreaming big but are afraid to take the leap? I'm under new management and I find myself very afraid to share my dreams and ideas. What's the best way to overcome the fear and nurture new relationships?
0: So I've heard that courage is like feeling the fear and doing it anyway. So I don't think that there's a, I don't, I don't know the secret for getting rid of the fear. And I think the fear is real. The inner critic is real. And then it's a matter of how to break through that. And that's just, for me, it's just doing it. It's just doing it. Sometimes I'll have like a buddy who will help me and I'll say, you know, call up my friend and say, okay, I'm about to like share this fabulous idea and I'm really scared to share it. I'm going to call you back in five minutes once I've sent the email. (laughs) And so then I'll send the email or share the idea and say, okay, I did it. So it might have be having a cheering committee. That's what I have. folks that are in my corner that I know are going to encourage me to be courageous, even when it's hard, but just doing it, which I know is probably not a very satisfying answer, but for me, I sometimes need backup in order to do it. and, And I have like my backup
1: crew that can help me be courageous? I think you make such an important point. Having a support system. I think that goes to the courage question, to the fear question, to that inner critic question, because I find when I'm connecting with the people around me that inspire me, I think that inspires me to want to take action despite of how I'm feeling and the discouraging voices that I might have. Any other questions, guys? I see a few in the Q and A
3: about any books that we would recommend. And this is a book I read a while back, uh, two books. One is The Growth Mindset. I thought that was really, really helpful. I think many times we think dreaming needs to be something big, right? It has to be a moonshot, but it need not be. It could be something really small. I was joking with my manager earlier today in a call just before this meeting, I'm gonna dream for zero bugs so we can launch this product. And I was part joking, but part it was serious too, because dreams need not be something that is intimidating or feels like so out there that you can't achieve. I think it's okay to have sometimes incremental goals and use that to drive you towards seeing an even bigger goal or a stepping stone towards a bigger goal. So yeah, I found growth mindset really useful. The other one is adaptive leadership. And this is less about dream it own it, It's more about how do you manage the pressure around you, in you and in the systems that you create to, I think pressure can be really productive, It can also be very detrimental if you don't manage it. It's like a pressure cooker, right? You need to let off steam at times, and you need to build up that pressure correctly at times. And I think adaptive leadership as a framework, and this book is really, I find it really helpful. I go back to it. I've used it for many, many years. It really helps you kind of get the tools and the frameworks on um, how to navigate things. I will say for
2: those of us who drive off of chaos to diffuse that pressure cooker, I think adding some level of physical exercise into your daily life so you can balance it out is also awesome to channel that energy and uh, you uh, come out stronger out of that. One really awesome book that uh, I've been reading has been The Compounding Effect. And it talks about these little steps that you take and, you know, how they end up becoming this uh, amazing effect in your life. And your life, you know, just gets transformed as a result of those little steps you've been taking along the line. So I highly
1: recommend that. This is a really fantastic question. How do those of you who thrive in chaos work with others who prefer a bit more structure?
2: I think we complement each other is how I see it, because some of us are all about doing things on the fly, so uh, while others are about more about structure. In my opinion, it's good to have that contrast, and uh, that helps you learn from each other. And so when the person trying to bring structure is not able to do so or they're struggling, then you, know, you use your on-the-fly methods to uh, get it going, and then you can, together, bring structure to it. And so I think it's actually complementing characteristics that are very helpful in different situations, navigating different situations.
3: Yeah. And I want to add to that and say, you know, I'm going to use like a computer science analogy to this. It's like building a distributed system and you have multiple nodes, multiple protocols When you have like a single threaded system or a single node, or you're just building your first prototype, what you optimize for looks very different than when you're scaling things. When you're scaling and, you know, distributing the load and your protocols, your APIs, your loosely coupled systems need to have a lot more kind of checks and balances in place for you to achieve that massive scale that you're going after. You cannot do that with just a one node system. And I think thriving in chaos is great. At the same time, all of us are also structured in some ways. I think it's just that self-awareness and that intentionality that then gets you towards saying, okay, to achieve this particular dream or to work with this other person or to make something happen, what are the elements that I need around me to make that happen? And then you work through those elements and it's never going to look the same as the last time you did it, right? So so I wouldn't over-index on the chaos. I know we all said it in our answers that we love chaos. At the same time, I think we're structured too in many ways. I just want to use a specific example, right? Like when Anjum is running a lot of the operational readiness for the company, the platform, the services, there is chaos in the moment, but you can't sustain that chaos day in and day out. So she is always kind of though she is thriving through that chaos, she's also stepping back and pushing all the systems around us to say, hey, how are we going to streamline things? What are the things we are going to automate here? And how are we getting ourselves out of this chaos into a more steady state, quiet mode? Yeah, definitely. Being able to
2: connect those dots, being able to create the plans. um, I guess in there, the the skill that is displayed here is finding those data points and being able to pull it all together and bring structure to the chaos is the fun part of it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I would say you are not yourself contributing to the chaos. So you're not being chaotic. What you're doing is not being paralyzed by that chaos. And instead, pulling out a way forward. And I think that's the skill. And that's where you tap into those folks who are more organized around you or also organized around you. Another question. What advice would you give to your college self? I'm currently a junior in college who applied for internships and would love your guidance. I would tell myself to go to fewer protests.
0: So I did a lot of um, activism in college, and I would have spent um, less time doing activism and more time hitting the books. <laughs> and I would also figure out a way to go um, to go abroad. I was sort of scared by the cost, and I would figure out a way to, to make it happen by applying for scholarships or asking people for money. Something to have had that experience, I think, would have been really amazing. And also don't give up. It all works out in the end.
2: I, I wanna quickly chime in my own experience. When I was a little kid back in middle school, I got introduced to programming. I, I quickly, immediately like shined. I was the brightest star in my co- class. So I still remember to this date, my little middle school teacher telling me, Afshan, you need to be a software engineer one day. And so I kept chasing that dream and you know, kept asking myself along my career uh, path, what can I do to become a software engineer? Um, You know, how can I be that? And then pursuing a career in that. I mean, that teacher's uh, saying changed my life. Uh, So now when when someone asks me for inspiration, I always ask them to dig deep uh, for where does your passion come from when you're going through and learning all these various topics in school? Like, where is that passion coming from? And like go chase after that because when you're coming from a place of passion, it is natural. It it's unbeatable. It's unmatchable. So always go after that.
3: Yeah, and I think the other thing is have fun with it is what I would say because life is a journey and it's never that one meeting or that one internship that's going to define you. That's one of many and. If it goes great, awesome. If it doesn't go great, that's okay too, because you will have another opportunity. You'll always have another opportunity. It's not your last step. So have fun with it.
1: Companies are notoriously slow at implementing change. How do you manage the in-between of an idea and completion gracefully?
3: I want to go back to something Maya said, which is, I think one of the elements of Dream It, Own It for her is... um, stick with it, right? Like stay with it. She said it more eloquently, uh, p- persevere. And I think when shifting culture or chain, making changes in a company based on the size of the company can feel like steering a really big ship, And it you cannot just like turn direction like overnight. So having that patience and understanding that it's going to take time and knowing what are your kind of milestones along the way that's going to get you directionally towards that eventual goal that you're trying to get to. You want to keep your eye on the price and know that it's going to come and break it down into smaller milestones or um, leading indicators that'll help you get there and bring people along, right? It's never my idea or my dream. The more you can make it our idea, our dream, you're going to have a lot more success in shifting and steering and probably getting to a better outcome.
1: All right. One final question. How much of your success would you attribute to hard work and how much of it would you attribute to luck?
2: Well, I think there is definitely an element of luck, but I do think a lot of it has to do with your own drive, your own uh, passion for something, your own uh, commitment to something. It, and then maybe it feels like it's luck. Uh, <laughs> our luck comes naturally after that. But yeah, I think a, a lot of it has to do with relentless dedication towards whatever you're working towards.
0: I think that's, that's right. It's relentless dedication. I also think that there are certain things that I was born with that make me like luckier than some other people. So I don't want to like discount, like the systemic things that are in our society that make it easier for me than for other black people. And so I just want to recognize that, that it is luck. It is really hard work, but Part of that luck is the way that I look, the way that I operate, that is something that I was born with that other people haven't been born with. So I want to recognize that as
2: well. Yeah. And, and if someone's feeling like they haven't been touched by luck, I would say challenge it, fight for it, be the outlier. So may,
1: anything you'd add to that?
3: No, I think hard work always pays off. And this is like the mom and me talking I tell this to my teenage daughter all the time. There are no shortcuts. You don't control the outcome. But what you do control is how much effort you put into it.
1: And I find, yes, there is luck. Absolutely, I think so. But I think luck is also unsustainable. And sometimes you can't take advantage of the opportunity if you don't prepare. So absolutely, we do work hard. And sometimes we don't have those opportunities. But I think when you have that preparation, and then that moment comes along, You are so happy that you continue to persevere and you prepared. And so you can take full advantage of those moments. So I wouldn't be discouraged by feeling as though you don't have the luck because that's probably yet the moment will come if you persevere. All right, we are at time. Any final words, ladies? Thank you so much.
2: Be bold and take initiative.
3: Go chase after your dreams. You've got this. And I'm really excited for our one year of the Empowered Women series. A huge shout out to Janil and everyone who's been on the panel on the series and looking forward to the next year. Somia,
2: you have been my hero in the organization. So thank
3: you so much for
2: having me here. I am so grateful for this opportunity.
0: Yes, thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate this opportunity and dream it and own it.
1: Absolutely. And I second that, Somia, you know, (laughs) partner in crime all through the year and thank you to everyone that has participated and everyone behind the scenes producing this content thank you everyone for joining us thank you Andrew and Maya it's been such a pleasure
3: and huge shout out to the intern on Janil's team who made the podcast happen so for the people who are looking for internships you can make a lot happen as an intern
1: exactly shout out Corey (laughs) thanks guys okay everyone we hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we have if you did please go ahead and rate and review which will allow other women in our space to find this great content and of course like and subscribe if you are interested in hearing more about careers at wbd please check us out at careers.wbd.com all right see you next time